I have to say, uh, when we when we had set out and decided to kind of make it a thing that we would revisit the catechism each year and by focusing on a different part. Uh, last year, I think we did Lord's Prayer. This year, the Ten Commandments. Um, I thought it would be a little bit easier. Um, but really, especially with the Ten Commandments, I, I keep receiving this reminder that no matter how strong a faith you actually are, or no matter how much older you have grown and wisdom you have gathered, uh, the Ten Commandments are difficult. They're difficult to listen to, they're difficult to receive, and I guarantee you they're difficult to preach on. Uh, and some of that comes down to the fact that in our understanding and the instruction that comes through the Ten Commandments, it isn't just statements of, do not do this. That, w- that would actually in some ways be much easier if it was just to do not do this. But it's always got this flip side to it. So where we are to not steal, to not gain in our possessions through what it literally says in the catechism, shoddy practices, which I think is magnificent. But we are to actually help our neighbors in the preservation and the gaining of their own possessions. Now, I find this remarkable. I find this hard to live by. I have never had a neighbor come over and ask to help me with my possessions. I would gladly accept any help for yard work anytime it's offered. (laughs) And I certainly have actually never done that either. And this is what makes it so difficult to hear. It's to hear of the ways in which I have done these things I shouldn't. And how I have not done what I should. And praise God that oftentimes our confession on Sunday morning includes just that statement. Because the forgiveness needed is not just for the things that we have done, but for the things that we have not done. I am sure that most of us have kept our thievery down to petty theft and nothing much more beyond that. From the taking a child's cake which as a parent I get to do. (laughs) But not maybe sharing as much as we should. Really, in the world today, and in the language that we use with one another, and the language we use to make our decisions, it is actually easier for us to see how this commandment has not gained steam in making it into the world. Because we have oftentimes thought that our neighbor is not someone who is to be helped, but rather our neighbor is a competitor. Our neighbor might very well just be an enemy. There are two threats that I think that come to us when it comes to stealing that becomes our main motivator in a lot of ways. One is just the plain and simple and well-used greed. That part of us that needs to hoard and bring in and and to keep as much as we can, or at least to use what we have to make ourselves better. This is a part of us that, that has become an old familiar friend. It's a part of us that oftentimes we don't notice and we just allow to exist as 
part of our life in some way. My parents always told me when I was growing up that I liked nice things. In fact, when I told them that I was wanting to become a pastor, they said, but you like nice things. <laughs> and just that in itself makes it easy for me to be motivated to use my gifts and use what I have just for myself. To build up my home or my family, my looks, my wardrobe, uh, not really my bank account, but you get the idea. That greed winds up just becoming wrapped up in everything that I am, including my faith. To where I can be greedy with my faith. I can be greedy with how I use my time with my faith. I can be greedy with the way I use my dollars with my faith. I can be greedy with my approach to other members of the faith. This greed doesn't just stay outside of these doors, but it comes in here just as well. Maybe you, you can be like me, where this greed seems to know no bounds and even comes into the decisions we make about our children, about their education, about their upbringing, maybe even about the clothes that they wear. Maybe this greed carries over into your own marriage, keeping you separated from the one that you're supposed to be spending your life with. For what becomes first in that relationship is your own possessions. Whenever I'm starting off with doing uh, premarital counseling, I've learned to start asking these questions of what are the main and important possessions that you have within your home, within your house. And how do you feel about sharing them? It's not an easy thing to do. I don't easily share my Netflix account with anybody. (laughs) Greed becomes this part of us, and it winds up leading us to be at enemy with the seventh commandment. But it's not just greed in its purest form that often does it. But the second thing that I think becomes a challenge for us is in our appreciation and in our helping of our neighbor. Because so often when it comes to our own possessions, to our own privileges, to our own prosperity, or maybe even to our own careers, when we see our neighbor, we actually see a competitor. We see someone who as they gain and as they grow, they must obviously be doing so at my expense. They must obviously be taking from me in some way. And so my natural and my first inclination is not to actually help them, but maybe withdraw my help just even so slightly so that maybe they can't (coughs) progress. Maybe they can't get better. Maybe they can't be the better pastor. Maybe they can't be the better parishioner. Maybe they can't be the better worker. So we pull ourselves back. It's nice to be the best house on the block, is it not? That's where my time should be and not at serving my neighbors. 
We see how this competition and this competitiveness has even infiltrated the way that we speak and our politics and the way we vote and consider others. No matter which side of the aisle you stand on, both seem to do this because positioning other people as our enemy and other people as our competitors speaks to the natural fears and sin that resides in our hearts. It is the one thing that gets our blood boiling. So there's always somebody else who's trying to take from me. This greed, this competition, it separates us and it divides us from our neighbor. It takes the ones that we are called to be in relationship with and casts them as far away from us as they possibly can be. And both, both this greed and this competition tries to take our attention and lead us to forget where is it that even all of these possessions of ours have come from? Where is it that even all of these gifts that we have that we are to live out in the world with, the gift of our callings in life, the gift to be husbands, to be wives, to be friends, to be children, to be parents, where does it come from? Because when we ask that question, we realize that we have a wellspring that never runs dry. So that in our giving, in our sharing, there will never be a day where there is not somewhere for us to pull more from. John describes our Savior coming into the world as a time when the world received grace upon grace. The scriptures call the day in which the Messiah comes as the day when everything changes. And it points us forward to the day when every tear will be wiped from our eyes. This is because in our reception and receiving of Christ, we have been given all things and all things have been made new. We do not see our neighbors as an enemy. Because at one time, our God was seen as the enemy. And that drove him to the cross to die with hatred laying over him so that he could rise with love to be given to us. That is that spring that you've been given. That is the newness of life that you have received. That is the only way that any of us can stop considering our neighbor, whether they look different, whether they act different, whether they are richer or poorer than us, that is the only way we can ever look at them and call them brother and see them as somebody to be served. In Christ, that competition is removed because his love falls on all equally. In Christ, that competition has been removed because our identity is not wrapped up in our vocation as worker, as parent, as child. Our vocation identity comes to us as child of God in Christ. And when that is our center, when that is our core, there is no need to have enemies. There is no need to ruin others because they are competitors. There is no need to withhold our hand 
and our money and our resources for helping. Christ came to transform. Not to let us stay in the sin and the world that we were found in. Just last week, we brought a young brother to the waters of baptism where he had his sinful self die and he rose again out of that water as a child. A child meant to be loved and to share that love. So how do we now transform and transition out of these old worldly ways of walking? How do we in our society of today expand past this perception that everybody is our competitor or our enemy? How do we start on something new that is completely different than we will be taught anywhere else? We begin with Christ. I cry at the thought of giving over possessions. (laughs) But in this newness of life, (laughs) I am comforted. Because this wellspring begins with Christ. And it leads over into two important elements of our faith life. The first is devotion. The second is vocation. As Christ comes into our life and he becomes our center, he becomes our identity, we are led to give all of our things and all of our possessions and all of ourself to the Lord. This is part of our devotional movement as disciples. This is part of us giving our time not just to the Lord in study and prayer and meditation, but also in service. You've not heard us speak very often about money in this church, but this is where it becomes real for us, where our gifts are given over to the help and the betterment of others, to the growth of the kingdom of God to the service of those that are in need. We are called to be that cheerful giver. We are called to be the ones who take all that we have and put it into the service of others. We remember the words of the Scriptures when it says, those that sow sparingly reap sparingly. Which gives us understanding to the way when we spend our time and our money for our own betterment, we seem to be in the same place we started from. But when we are able to be the person that Christ has called us to be in our giving and our loving of others, we are able to see the growth and love in other people. We are able to see the way Christ transforms hearts and minds. We are able to see the way in which the forgiveness that I have received has also come into the lives of other people. Because these possessions are no longer my own. We remember the words that come out of Proverbs 19 where it says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deed. Certainly this comes across to us as Lutherans as harsh law to be followed. But it's also a blessing that has been given. That in all that we have and all that we are, as we give it to others, to those who are less fortunate and there's always someone that is. 
we see the way the Lord continues to provide for us. The way his blessings seem to never stop. The way even when we are at our lowest and our poorest, we still wind up in his care. We still wind up with his gifts. This giving is part of our devotional life. And this devotional life leads into the vocations that we have. To where when we go out into the workplace, we refuse to become the same part of the mechanism that only uses greed to move forward. And we actually care and worry about what it is going on in our coworker's life. How it is that I can make them be a better worker and encourage them. It comes in to where I as a parent am concerned not just for my children but also for my wife. That I will give over all of myself to make it to where she can be the best wife and the best mother she can be. Where I as a friend stop seeing my other friends as competitors as people who take up time and energy who seem to call at the wrong moment. But rather I see them as people that I can give to, that I can help them grow and change in their prosperity and their attainment. I can help them in their wealth of relationship. And I can even offer them food when they are in need. See, this seventh commandment, this one that we so often easily go past because of maybe we don't steal so much. It's actually one that speaks into your daily life. It comes into the way that you view your neighbor. It calls us to be different from the way the rest of the world speaks, the way the rest of the world thinks. It takes those that we see as enemy and as competitors and brings them into our life people to be served and helped. We've seen this done in our Lord. We've seen this how he, coming into the world, seen as an enemy, called all his friend and died to bring them all closer to him. And we see that in the same calling that we have now. Not just in our devotion, but in our lives in this very world. Brothers and sisters, go from this place not stealing, but giving, encouraging, and reminding people of what our Lord has done and how that spring never ends with the gift of other people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.